now we can begin. All right. So I guess just I would like to state for the record that my name is Ben Bauman and I'm interviewing Frank Biddinger and today is Thursday, January 16th, 2020 and we are doing a digital oral history interview via phone. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana and you are in Charlotte, North Carolina, correct? That's correct. Excellent. And just for the record, I do have your consent to record the interview. You do. Perfect. Okay, so let's begin. When and where were you born? I was born in Marion, Indiana, uh, December 30, 1935. Okay. And what were your parents' names? My father was Thurman A. Bittinger. My mother, Florence McCann Bittinger. All right. And where is your family from? Uh, my parents were both... My father was born in Converse, Indiana, which is in Grant County, the same county as uh, the city of Marion. My mother was born in Gas City, Indiana, which is also uh, in Grant County. Oh, okay. Wonderful. And do you know by any chance how your family got to Indiana? Uh, no, my grandfather on my, my father's father uh, was the station master on the, for the Pennsylvania Railroad in Gas City. Oh, okay. My my uh, maternal grandfather, James McCann, uh, had a grocery store in Gas City. Oh. And and he he was a Scotch Irishman. His ancestors had come from Ireland. Uh, and immigrated to Kentucky, and then he immigrated, he, he left Kentucky and came to Indiana. My father's uh, parents, I think, were, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh, okay. And I don't remember the county they came from to get to Indiana. Interesting. Okay, wow. Uh, so what were your parents... But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to tell you, my father was also in the Senate. Oh. Uh, I think he was elected maybe in 1932. That's right, yeah. And he was, he was president pro tem in 1943. Uh, okay. When he, when he resigned to join the Navy. Oh, okay, wow. Right. Interesting. And what were exactly were your parents' occupations? My father was a lawyer. My mother a housewife. Okay. And did you have any siblings? I have a sister who is eight years younger than me. Okay. And what was her name? Betty Ann. Okay. Betty Ann. Um, yeah, and her name was... Cleaver now. Ah, okay. So, how would you describe your childhood? 
growing up? I'm sorry, say that again? How would you describe your childhood? Well, I think it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I, I, my, my parents were loving, and uh, I, I wanted for nothing. Okay. And we, tra we traveled. We went out west a lot and uh, just had a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Yeah, that sounds like a good childhood. <laughs> yes. And uh, who would you say were the most influential people in your childhood? Well, obviously my parents. Right. Um, but I had other people that were influential, but most of them were relatives. Oh, you know, aunts and uncles. Sure. My sure. mother had my mother had two sisters. My father had a sister, and uh, they were they were all influential and. I don't remember that many people outside the family being a big influence. Oh, okay. And uh, I guess what, what about them made them so influential to you? Well, for example, when I was a little boy, I was very frustrated. Before I'd ever gone to school, I couldn't read. I wanted to read the comic strips. Mm-hmm. And my, my mother taught me to read before I ever went to kindergarten. Wow. And, you know, that's very influential. Sure, sure. My dad was a lawyer, and he took me to the office, and he talked to me a lot about the law, and uh, influenced me in that way, and, that, and I always wanted to be a lawyer after that. Okay, so just like your father. Yes. Excellent. So, I guess the next question is, what understanding, if any, did you have about your family's politics or political beliefs as a young child? Uh, well, I knew my parents were Republicans. Right. Because they took me to Republican meetings all the time. Uh, I, like the, I like the cider and donuts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But I later found out my father's parents were Democrats. And when my dad ran for office as a Republican, they disowned him. Oh my gosh. But, but that didn't last very long. Right, right. <laughs> and there was never any conversations in my presence about politics. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so, I guess now moving towards your education, what schools did you attend as a child and as a teenager? Uh, I don't remember. My education was a little interrupted because of World War II. Right. Uh, I had gone to grade school in South Marion and when the war came, my dad decided to resign from the Senate, which he did, and he turned his law practice over to his partner. Okay. And he sold the house, and we all moved to uh, Philadelphia. Wow. And he, he was stationed at 
with the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Uh, he was the aviation supply officer. And he kept trying to get on, uh, on duty overseas. He kept trying to get on a ship. Okay. And I and he knew the two U.S. senators from Indiana. And I remember as a youngster him talking to him on the phone and asking them to get him uh, on a ship. The first thing they did was getting assigned to a naval air station uh, at Bunker Hill, Indiana, which is over, you know, 20 miles from home. Oh, wow. And, and he threw a fit about that. I didn't sell my house and leave my practice to go 20 miles from home. Right. So finally, they called him one night. And he talked to him, and when he hung up, my mother said, what'd they say? And he said, they said, I'm too old and too fat to be on a ship. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that ended that. And he stayed in the Navy as an officer, a lieutenant, uh, until uh, the war was over. We came back to Indiana. Okay. And how would you describe your educational experiences then? Well, when we got back from from Philadelphia, I went to uh, Washington School in Marion. Okay. Uh, through, and that was through the ninth grade, and and then grades ten, eleven, and twelve were at Marion High School. I wasn't. I won't say I was a bad student. I just wasn't a very interested student. Okay, sure. And um, I love to read, and I loved history. Yeah, okay. And um, I hated mathematics. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably pretty common, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after high school, I went to Indiana University. Oh, okay. Great. My dad always says, I'll send you any place you want to go as long as it's a land-grant college in Indiana. Well, wow, that didn't leave much. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And I got a bachelor's and, and went in the Army for three years. Wow. And when I came back, I went to law school and graduated in 1960. That's fantastic. So, when you were a student in school, did you have any extracurricular activities at all, or? Oh, yeah, but I don't remember much about them. Oh, okay. Um, you know, there was a, in law school, I was a member of a legal fraternity. Uh, I think it was Phi Delta Phi, but I'm not sure of that now. I just have lost touch with all of that. Right. And, uh, but, you know, there was always a lot of things going on. Right, right. So, was your bachelor degree in law as well? No, no, it was in uh, social service. Social service, okay. Yeah. And uh, how did you, uh, I guess, what made you get interested in the social service major? Was it because you wanted to go to law school later, or? It was because I could get a degree in that without taking a foreign language. Ah, okay. 
wish I'd had a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, did you know after getting your bachelor's degree that you wanted to go to law school? Yes. Okay. Um, and, um, And in college, were you involved in any clubs or organizations, or? No, I was, uh, I got married at age 20. Oh, okay. So, uh, I was still an undergraduate. Right. So, how did you view your college experiences at the time when you were studying? Oh, I thought they were great. my upstairs neighbor was Birch by. Really? Wow. Yeah, later, to, in fact, he was made Speaker of the House while he was still in law school. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. He and Marvella, his first wife, lived up above us. Wow. So, in college, did you already start to develop sort of a political identity or... Uh, what was your awareness of politics at the time? Well, wasn't very active. Okay. Um, I was I was aware of politics. I followed it, but I can't say that I was active. Okay. All right. So, did you? I suppose you didn't have many conversations with your family about politics or anything at the time, or? No, not many. Okay. So, what was your first job out of college and law school? I practiced law with my father. Wow, okay. Excellent. And, and we had a two-man firm and later on a three-man firm. And uh, I, I served in the Senate at that time. And then later on... Uh, I left the firm and went to Indianapolis where I was a lawyer. Okay. And I and I did um, I practiced utility law. Interesting. I was I was a lawyer for AT and T was a client. And um, uh, I was the first lawyer for um, for Verizon. In Indiana, it was then called uh, General Telephone something. Oh, okay. Uh, but but it, then it became Verizon. And I, so I did a lot of utility work for a lot of utilities. Sure. Big ones and small ones. Okay, wow, interesting. So I guess the next one... Next. And, and then... Well, and then after a few years, uh, there was an Indiana Gas Association. Oh, okay. Uh, And I was asked if I would run it, so, um, and I said yes. So I left the practice, and I think for something like 16 years, I was president of the Indiana Gas Association. It has since been merged with the Electric Association. Okay. And then I think it's called the Energy Association now. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, moving back to your family, uh, what year did you get married? 1956. 
1956. Okay. And what was your wife's name? Mary Lou. Mary Lou. Okay. And her maiden name was Lipes, L-I-E-P-S-E. Okay. And did you have any children? We have two daughters. One still in Indiana lives in Noblesville. Okay. And the other one is in uh, South Carolina, about 30 minutes from where we are. Oh, okay. And, and what were their names? The one in, in Indiana is Nancy, uh, still Nancy Biddinger. Okay. Okay. And were they both born in Indiana, or...? Uh, no, Jennifer was born in Germany when I was in the Army. Ah, okay, wow. Interesting. Uh, Nancy was born in Indiana. Okay. So, did your family have uh, much impact on your career? Yeah, I guess uh, perhaps did your career development change I, after I, having a family? I think I think my children were upset when I lost the bid for re-election. I wasn't, but they were. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess now turning towards politics, how did you first become more seriously involved in politics? That's a good question. Um, well, you know, in those days, you could not advertise. If you were a lawyer, you couldn't advertise. Okay. And the, on the only way to get noticed, or the usual way to get noticed, was to run for office. And people would get to know your name, and they sure. get to know you're a lawyer, and they might hire you. Interesting. And my dad encouraged me to run for office. He did not encourage me to get elected. Wow. And after I got elected, he said, you dummy. <laughs> you weren't supposed to get elected. You're supposed to just run. Wow. So. And um, now, now, of course, you can advertise. Right, right. So when you first ran for office, was it more because you wanted to get your name out there as a lawyer, or was it because... Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I didn't think I had it. I thought I had no chance of winning. <laughs> surprise, yeah. It was a surprise. So, what shaped your political outlook? I think just life, my life experiences. Um, I'm I don't consider myself liberal or, I guess I consider myself conservative, right. but I have a lot of liberal viewpoints, so I, you know, who knows? Sure. I think it's just what the things that happen to you in life. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Get, let, me, let me give you an example. Okay. When I was practicing, first practicing law, if I had a woman come in who was pregnant and wanted an abortion, 
abortion. It was against the law for me to advise her on how to get that abortion. And it was against the law for her to have an abortion. Well, what's that leave her? A, a coat hanger in the bathroom? Yeah, to wow. abort herself. So what I did was said, I would say, I can't tell you, but if I were you, I'd get on the airplane and go to New York. Wow. Because in New York, you can get abortions without going to jail. Right, true. And the, one of the first, I was trying to think, one of the first bills I introduced was a liberalized abortion law in Indiana. Interesting. Uh, and that's, of course, that's why I wanted to do that, was because of my experience as a lawyer right. and seeing women in trouble. And, uh, and, and one other thing I, I did, I introduced a bill to allow women to sit at bars. And when I was first elected in that era, a woman could not go in a tavern and sit at the bar. Wow. She could sit at the table, but not at the bar. And I just thought that was stupid. Right. Wow. And now, that's not the kind of bill you introduce when you want to get elected, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was the right thing to do. So, but that's another thing that shapes your your view of politics. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm sure that has quite the impact. So when talking about the your first bill that you sponsored, the abortion bill, what was the reaction across the board in the legislature when you introduced that bill? I don't think there was one. Okay. Was it, it was just, just one of many bills. Yeah. So and it was it passed. Right. So it really wasn't debated much, or no? Okay, interesting. So, in your career as a politician, and as you became more involved in politics, what were the key issues or legislation that you sponsored or fought against? The uh, primary, the one that comes to mind every time I think about it, yeah. is, uh, again, when I was a young lawyer, when I was a young senator, I think I was only 29 when I was elected, we elected in Indiana appellate and Supreme Court judges. They had to run for office. I think my predecessor in the Senate, who was a friend of mine, a judge, may have introduced uh, a constitutional amendment to change that from electing judges to appointing them. Okay. And I sponsored it in the Senate. And after it passed, uh, I became president of an organization that was trying to get people to vote for it. Uh, and okay. I went all over and I went all over the state doing that. And it passed. Wow. 
Wow. And that, that's how we select judges today, as far as I know, anyway, unless, unless something's changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was the, the primary reason then for, for this bill? Could you describe it for people that aren't familiar with it? Well, I think it was to try to get the most qualified men or women uh, who wouldn't be influenced in their decision making by having to run for office. Right. And, um, and left it up to a committee to select candidates and then the governor to choose from those candidates. And then I think it's every 10 years they, they are on the ballot whether to uh, retain them in office or not. And I think they almost always retain them. Interesting, wow. So my next question is, did you have any national political heroes or any state or local political heroes? You know, that's a good question, and I've never thought about it. <laughs> um, I really haven't. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an admirer of Ronald Reagan. Right. Of um, oh, the old senator from Illinois who was the head of the Senate for years, uh, Dirksen. Okay. I always admired, I always admired him. Uh, I guess my dad would have been my local hero. Sure. He, by the way, ran for mayor in 1947. Wow. Okay. And lost, and lost by two votes. Oh my gosh. And he would not, he refused to have a recount. Yeah. He said to the he said to the press, "If I have a recount, I might lose by three votes." <laughs> and and the Indianapolis News, which no longer exists, named him Sportsman of the Year. <laughs> wow! For for not getting for not having the recount. Oh my god! I always thought that was a funny story. That is funny. <laughs> And, that, and he is just kind of a hero of mine. Oh, of course, definitely. So going back to, I guess, right before you officially became a politician, I, I know you mentioned already that it was, you're mostly trying to get your name out there when you ran for the Senate, but uh, what did your campaign emphasize? Um... The sales tax had just been started in Indiana. Okay. Prior to that time, there was no sales tax. Right. And I ran. I ran on well, several things, but one of them was getting rid of the sales tax on groceries. Oh, okay. And uh, got it done. Got elected. Got it done. Wow. And that's. Right. And how would you describe your campaign strategy? 
I don't know that I had much of a strategy, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I went to meetings where, you know, Republican meetings or, or uh, other meetings where I could speak. And I was asked to speak. And my opponent was asked to speak. Right. And, uh, and we would debate. Uh, I ran against both in both elections against Wayne Townsend. Okay. Who had, who had been in the House before that. And he was from the Hartford City area. Interesting. Okay. So what was your first election day like? Well, it was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> How did you? And then when they when they counted the votes, my dad was mad at me for getting elected. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you feel about that? Oh, I was kind of excited. Yeah. Okay. I thought that I thought that'd be a neat thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I looked forward to it, and, and it was a great experience. I loved being in the Senate. I had a lot of friends, and. Uh, I hope I did some good, you know. Now, what were your thoughts on, on the next election cycle that you were in? Um, well, I had the same opponent. Yeah. And I didn't do, I didn't, in the first election, I, I had $50 to run on wow. with my own money. Wow. And somebody gave me maybe a hundred dollars. And in the second election, I didn't put my own money in the campaign. I was able to raise some money. People would have uh, uh, fundraisers for me, but it still wasn't much money. Right. Um, you know, he did a little advertising on in the newspaper. I don't think there was any TV at the time. Sure. Or if there was, no, nobody used it. Um, it I, don't know, it, I don't think it was much of a campaign. Okay. And I lost by a couple hundred votes. Right, okay. So... And I, and I never ran again. Yeah. Even though my friends in the Senate changed the district to give me a what would have been a surefire seat, and I just thought by that time I was busy practicing law and doing other things. Okay. I just didn't have the time. Interesting. So, when you were first elected, uh, what were you thinking when you walked into the State House the first time? as a senator? Well, I guess I'd probably been there before, but I, I was kind of impressed. I thought it was a, kind of a neat building. Right. And 
know, in those days, now, even later on in my career, they had a whole office full of people that helped write legislation and, you know, prepare it and shape it. In those days, they used a part-time attorney who came from Huntington, Indiana, and I can't remember his name. And he would say to, I'd say to him, I want a, I want a bill that does this and this and this. And he'd say, okay, be right back. And he'd go in and pull out a bill just like it already, that had already been introduced years ago. Oh, wow. And say, how about this? <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> how'd you do that? He said, oh, there's nothing new, you know, everything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I, I always thought that was funny. That is funny. What were your expectations for the legislative process when you first started as a senator? I don't know that I had much because I didn't really, I had never watched the legislative process. Okay. I was 29 years old. I was, I'd been busy practicing law and three years in the Army and, right. uh, you know, raising a family and, uh, I don't know what, I don't know that I had any expectations. Sure. Did the process seem complicated at all, or? No, not particularly. No? Okay, good. And so how did you exactly learn sort of the ins and outs of state politics when you were there? Uh, mostly by listening. Um, they had a very active, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, I should, uh, Republican County Chairman in Indianapolis, and a very active one in my hometown, who also was a lawyer. Okay. And, um, and I learned an awful lot from the two of them. And by keeping my eyes and ears open. Right, right. So, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? Well, they let you know that pretty early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there were, you know, I, I got a lot of phone calls. I got a lot of letters. Right. Not as many, not as many as I thought I would get. Oh, okay. But. Uh, but I got some. And how would you respond to them? Uh, I would call them or write them. And uh, if I liked what they wanted, if I thought it was doable, I would ask that a bill be prepared to do that. Right. And, and maybe send them a copy of it and tell them I was going to introduce it and would try to pass it. Okay. So when you were interacting with other assembly members, what were the interactions typically like, formal and informal? Uh, well, they were mostly informal. Okay. <laughs> we, we all knew 
what were the interactions typically like between the different parties? You know, there's very little difference between the parties. Um, it's not like Congress. It's not like what you see on TV every night. Right. Um, in our legislature, I considered virtually everybody a friend of mine. Wow. Um, and, you know, we'd go out and eat together and, and uh, tell jokes. And I said the, the Democrat was my best friend. Yeah. And we, we remained friends till he died, and he died way too young. He died at age 66, and I was a good friend of his uh, all of the rest of his life. And uh, I knew his wife, and I knew his kids. And, uh, but I had another senator who ran for governor. Hell, he was great. I loved him. A guy named Bob Fair mm -hmm. uh, from southern Indiana. He was funny, and he was a good lawyer. I even I even gave him some money to run for governor. Wow. <laughs> and what was your best friend's name again? Bob Mahold. M A H O W A L D. Okay. He was from South South Bend. Great guy at a at a leather store. Oh wow! Okay. Now, were there any differences between members of the House and Senate? Not many. Um, no. Okay. D different, do you mean ill feelings or...? Yeah, I suppose. Any, anything that might sort of suggest to someone that, you know, they... Uh, they sort of acted differently, perhaps, or, or the organization was different. What would you say? Well, I was a very good friend of the Speaker of the House, Otis Bowen. And in fact, I spoke at, at I think, his first campaign event, although it wasn't called that in his hometown. Uh, and why they got me, I'll never know, but I was happy to do it. And I had a lot of friends. Uh, that were in the House, both Republican and Democrat. You just, when you're there, you don't think about that. Right. Uh, you know, it's the, all you want is their name and their friendship. Sure. That's great. Who was your uh, seatmate in the Senate? I sat next to. No problem. Uh. <laughs> Looks like you sat next to maybe Harrison and Snowden. 
Changing gears a little bit, could you walk me through the general process of generating a bill? Well, first you have to have an idea, right? And you might get you might get that from a constituent, or you might get it from your personal experience. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to to have a thought about a bill, and then. You would. I, I like to write my own bills. Um, I'm a lawyer, and I, I I think I know how to write. Of course. Uh, bills. I I would then take it to that lawyer I was telling you about that that worked for us, or to the group that succeeded him and they would try to shape it up and bring it back to me and I'd look at it and if it wasn't what I wanted I'd tell them why or I would change it and then you submit it when you're ready you submit it to uh, as I recall to the front desk and it gets to distributed to everybody okay and it gets assigned to a committee by the pro tem and uh, or the leader and um, it goes to that committee and there are hearings on it I was a committee chairman uh, of the judiciary committee and um if it would come to my committee, we would have a hearing. Right. And I would I would speak in favor of it, and if somebody wanted to speak against it, they were welcome to. And at some point, we'd take the vote on whether to vote it out or not. Mm-hmm. You vote it out, it goes on the floor, and it gets called for a vote, and uh, you debate it. Interesting. And then at some point, and there is an option, uh, an opportunity to amend it. Right. From from the floor, and uh, after that, it's voted on yay or nay. And if it passes, it goes to the house, and through that same process over there. And. How would you garner support for any legislation you came up with? Almost all of it. I just 
interesting. And how is legislative business conducted outside of formal votes and committee meetings? Well, I, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Um, I suppose you, know, you have ac- you have access to to your compatriots, and you can talk about it at any time, right? On or off the floor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's fair. And did you have a sense of how people would vote prior to actually voting? Yes. Almost always. Uh, there were very few surprises. Okay. And why was that? Well, you got to know people and you got to know what you thought their reaction would be. Sure. Uh, and what they thought, you know what they thought about the particular area you were in. Uh, If it was a criminal bill of some kind, you knew who was uh, uh, very likely to vote for a a bill that was going to put somebody in jail. uh, There are a lot of hard-nosed people in there. Right. And what role did party leadership play in the legislative process? Very little. Okay. I don't rec- I don't recall a party leader. Maybe one time coming to me and saying you really need to support this or that. Okay. So, I guess in the, in the big picture, when it comes to the relationship between the General Assembly and the general public, uh, what would you say the general public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? I don't think they know anything about it. Yeah? I think they are clueless. Yeah. I would be at home on a weekend and more than almost always people would say to me well aren't you supposed to be in Washington oh my gosh they all thought I was a U.S. Senator I guess they didn't know the difference between a state Senator and a U.S. Senator wow and uh, they just don't and I'm living now in a building full of people in their 80s and more and they don't either wow they just don't know yeah that's wow that's really interesting what about always surprised at how little people know about government yeah i'll tell you a quick story yeah go for it time my, my wife and I and her parents went on a trip uh, and we went to Myrtle Beach and we went to Washington, D.C. and they could apparently 
Wow. They didn't know there was an agricultural building, you know. Sure. Uh, and that's the way most people think. Wow. And I, I don't know if it's because the schools don't teach it or they just, or people just don't care. I don't know. Right. So, speaking of family, did your legislative service have an impact on your family life at all? Uh, not much. Okay. Not much because I was home every weekend. You know, it's not as though you have to fly back from Washington. I was 60 miles away, you know. Right, right. And, um, so... And one, one, one time... My dad called me, and he had to open an estate, and it was a will that I had written, and I was one of the witnesses. Okay. And the other witness, the other witness was not available, and he said, "You've got to come home and sign this application to open the estate." And I said, "Dad." You know, I'm busy, and can I wait till the weekend? He said, no. He said, here's what you do. You go to the governor. You tell him you want the state police to ferry you up here. Oh, my gosh. And and by that, he means the state cop pick you up at the state house, drive you north for a few miles there. Another one will pick you up and so on and so forth until you get home and then do the same thing coming back. Well, I did. I said, I'll do that. So I go to the governor and the he, Democrat governor, he didn't care. Yeah. He's a lawyer. He, want, he, know, he understands. Right. And he said, oh, we'll do better than that. He said, uh, we'll fly you up there. Wow. Well, the, the state police had, had a plane, and the, this governor didn't believe in planes. He was a railroad lawyer. <laughs> oh my God. Roger Brannigan, he was a character. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm going to fly you up there. So I walk, he said, there's a state trooper will pick you up at the north end of the Capitol one. I walked out. And Bob Mahold, my friend, was out there, and I said, hey, you want to take a ride? And he said, sure. <laughs> we went out, got in, got in the car, they took us to the plane. The plane had a dead battery. They had to replace that. Oh, my gosh. And we, and we flew up there, scared me to death. Uh, and, and there was a state trooper waiting. He took us downtown. I signed the petition. We got back in the car, got back in the plane, and flew back to Indianapolis. Wow. But it still is one of the scariest days of my life. I bet. <laughs> so, in your work as a legislator, what would you say was the most controversial legislative issue during your time in the General Assembly? Oh, okay. I don't, I, I don't remember anything being very controversial. Interesting. 
Okay, fair enough. You know, the abortion law wasn't controversial. Right. The, uh, the, the appointment of judges wasn't controversial. Uh, everything just seemed to go smoothly. Sure. And what piece of legislation did you work hardest on? judicial one yeah and was that your proudest moment as a legislator up to a point yes and let me tell you what that point was okay I got all these guys appointed they ought to love me right sure they got a lifetime job who's the first who's Oh my gosh. I was the man at that. I bet. Wow. But I guess they knew what they were doing. I guess. Wow. <laughs> man, that's tough. So, let's see, what committees did you serve on as a state senator? Primarily public policy and the Judiciary A Committee. There was a Judiciary A and a Judiciary B. The B Committee got bills that were meant to die. Mm -hmm. Once they went into Judiciary B, they never came out. Judiciary A was where the good legislation went. Okay. Oh, okay. And I was on and I was on public policy, which was another important committee. Right. How did you come to serve on those committees? Uh, I didn't ask for them. Uh, the leadership gave them to me. Okay. Interesting. So, what would you say was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome during your time in office? Yeah, true. Uh, what, in your opinion, would you say is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? did you have to work with uh, the Democratic Party to get legislation done? Oh, all the time. All the time? Yeah. But they were friends of mine. Right. So that worked out well then. Yeah. Yeah. 
how important would you say was it to work with the other party or was it just kind of accepted as common a, a common thing to do uh, yes it was um, we all knew that we had to work together and uh, there wasn't any question about it right okay so uh, my next few questions are going to be about some specific uh, legislative issues that I saw you worked on going through your your legislative history uh, for instance one of them was in regard to a vote you made against a pay increase for state legislators during your time in office uh, yes. could you tell me a bit about that well we didn't make much money we made 1800 course a year right and $25 a day in session. And I didn't think we deserved, uh, it was my opinion that you, you should serve for a few years and then get out. Right. That everybody owed something to their state. Sure. And that was my way of paying it back. Okay, wow. And, uh, and, and and not the money. Yeah. That's interesting. And it, it was, you know, I had a room in the Columbia Club mm -hmm. that cost me $35 a week. Wow. Now, how cheap can it be, you know? Right. Sure. Interesting. Okay. Uh, another piece of legislation I thought uh, could be interesting to talk about was you voted against allowing a governor to have two consecutive terms. Why is that? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. I, I can't imagine that I voted against that. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I can look here in my notes. Maybe I was mad at the governor at the time. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, yeah, let's see. Well, that's okay. We'll pretend that. Yeah, but, yeah. If you don't remember it, then yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter much. So. <laughs> I really don't. Remember. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, we'll have to double check the records then on that one. So, uh, did you have any role in? And any Unigov legislation at all, or? Yes, I sure did. Okay, just uh, tell me about that. I I was um, very much for Unigov. I thought it was a great idea, not a political idea, but mm -hmm. a great idea. I I think Frank McKinney, the banker, asked a lot of Republicans to come to his office and he lobbied for it. And I remember saying to him, I wish you'd do it in my county. Okay. Uh, it, it just seemed sensible to me yeah. to not have so many layers of government. Right, right. Interesting. And so I, I guess the main reasoning behind Unigo for you was just to prevent sort of excess government from preventing 
I guess the legislative process or just getting laws initiated? I, I think it was I think it was just we don't need that many layers of government right to, uh, to run a city or a county or a state sure okay and you know and I have since lived in states where they don't have townships right uh, where they don't have precincts. They don't have all the layers of government. Yeah. And uh, they seem to get along all right. Yeah, okay. That's fair. And so what was the opposition's argument against Unigov? It was a political one. Okay. Uh, the, the, the old city limits contained Democrats, and the Republicans were all out in the county. And if you combine the two of them, you're giving the Republicans a break. Okay. Interesting. And so, could you describe, I guess, in a little bit more detail about your role in the creation of Unigov? Well, I was just... Uh, I like the idea so much that I was, I lobbied for it in the Senate mm -hmm. with my friends. I went to them and said, you know, this is really a good idea. Right. Let's do this. Let's see if it works. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I influenced them or not, but they, they voted for it. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Uh, moving on to another topic. Uh, I noticed in your legislative history, it appears there were some debates going on regarding capital punishment. Could you tell me a bit yeah. about your role in this debate? My father had had a, a murder case, and he was very anti capital punishment. Oh, okay. And he, con he convinced me that that was not a very good idea. And I just sort of took up the cudgel from from him. Right. And uh, sort of told people what he said. Sure. I hadn't had any experience at that point. I have since tried murder cases, but I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what exactly uh, did your father tell you that had such a big impact on you? Well, I think that that mostly that he can't recover from capital punishment. Okay. If you find out the guy didn't do it, right? You know, ten years later, he's dead. Ten years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's in 1974. Um, the governor appointed me as consumer counselor of the state of Indiana. And I represented the public in uh, utility rate cases before the, what was then called the Public Service Commission. Okay. And I did, I did that for seven years. 
Interesting, okay. And I had a lot of uh, interaction with the General Assembly during that time. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's another good detail to know. Okay. So, going back to some of your legislation, you mentioned earlier about uh, women not being allowed to sit in bars. I, I read some. Yes. I read something else about women not uh, being able to be served alcoholic beverages um, or something in a bar. Well, I think that's probably the same thing. Okay, got it. They could go into the bars, they just couldn't sit at a bar. Right. You know, on a bar stool and so forth. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So now moving on to life after the Indiana General Assembly, uh, when did you, well, I guess you left the Indiana General Assembly after 1969, correct? Yeah, I lost the 1970 election, yeah. Right, okay. And so overall, how would you summarize your time as a state legislator? Well, I thought it was very satisfying. Um, I was happy with it. Good. Okay. I thought I had. I thought I'd probably done my best and and uh, did what I thought was right. What is your favorite story or anecdote during your time as a legislator? <laughs> well, it, they would all be about. It. Some other legislator. Yeah. There was <laughs> there, there was a, 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 a senator. I'm sure he's dead now, but uh, named Emil H. Schmutzler Jr. And he was a character. He was a jet pilot in the Air Force. Wow. He uh, <laughs> he was he didn't pay much attention to. Him. What's going on? He was a funeral director. And if somebody got up and said something he didn't like, he would go to the microphone and say, let me tell you, you can't hoot with the owls at night and soar with the eagles during the day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and he would just let stuff pile up on his desk till it just slid off of its own weight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His nickname was Junie. Junie Schmutzler. He was a great guy. Okay, interesting. Let's see. What lessons, if any, did you learn?
Definitely. And and I've seen it live. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Did you have any regrets as a legislator? Only that I didn't get reelected. I wanted to be president pro tem, and I think I had the votes uh, to do that. And uh, then I didn't get reelected. But I, you know, the truth is, I didn't work hard at it. Okay. So because I had a I had a law practice to run and a family to look after. Of course. It's you know for eighteen hundred dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot to to deal with at once for that. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators today? Keep your nose clean. And what do you mean by that? Be honest. Don't cheat. Uh, keep your nose clean and work hard. It's good advice. Um, I know that you live in North Carolina now, but uh, how has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? Well, I haven't lived in Indiana since. Okay. Um, I, I, I've always loved Indiana. I thought it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. A great place to practice law, to serve in the General Assembly. I just liked the, the whole state. Yeah. North and south. And I think it's a state to be proud of. Sure. Uh, we... I think we have a reputation of being not just conservative, but practical. Practical people who do things for a reason. And not a silly reason, but a reason. And I think we have that reputation, and I think we earned it. That's great. Yeah. Very good. Uh, do you know if the, or I suppose, just in general, how has the Indiana General Assembly changed? I, I, I guess I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they have computers on their desk. Now, <laughs> yeah, true. I would imagine. Yeah. And, you know, that's something we didn't have. Of course, right. And we, they have cell phones and we didn't have those. So the communication now is far better than it was. Right. Far better. Sure. And I think that ought to help them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so talking about people from Indiana and, and Hoosers in general, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosers still have or hold dear? Absolutely. And, and, and I think 
think Hoosiers are known for that. I still talk to people about the word Hoosier and where it came from. Yeah. So, my final question then, uh, what do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? Well, I just want them to know more about the General Assembly. I want them to know what it's made up of, uh, when they meet, what they're paid, what their function is. I don't think most people know. Yeah. You know, this is a change of subject. But last night, I went to a presentation here in this building on the music of Cole Porter. Cole Porter, in my mind, was the greatest composer of modern music. And he's from Peru, Indiana. Wow. And I've always been proud of that. Yeah. No, that's good. All right. Well, I don't I don't I don't hesitate to tell people that. No. <laughs> you shouldn't. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, great. Um Well, yeah, I'll be happy to do that uh, in a minute. I guess uh, just before we finish off with uh, you answering questions, is there anything else about your time in the Indiana General Assembly uh, that you want to be said? Well, nothing that comes to mind right now. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll uh, turn off the recorders and...